Hey everybody, welcome back to Watchworthy. I'm your co-host, Miss Christy. And I'm Brother Ash. And on today's episode, we are talking all about the documentary, Dolly Parton, Here I Am. Dolly. You might be wondering why are these two black kids talking about <laughs> Dolly Parton, but it was just another documentary we saw on Netflix. Fuck it, Dolly is an icon. I give respect where it's due. Period. And so this is a documentary from 2019. Like I said, it was available on Netflix, but this actually we were inspired to watch because it said like it was leaving soon. So you know how Netflix be they take the stuff off. So by the time you go watch it, it might not be on there, but check it out. Um, and this one, I like this one because it did include a lot of, you know, old video. I think that's the perk of being an icon like Dolly, like you yeah. said. People are documenting your career from beginning to end. So there's a whole bunch of old videos from like the 60s, 70s. And then today, of course, she's still alive. So, oh my God, what if this episode, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not even going to think Wow. That. You know how news is coming out good. about it's Betty White and people be like, what happened it's with Betty? Good. I hope nothing happens with Dolly Parton because okay. <laughs> we love her and this documentary made me love her more. <laughs> and a- a- anything else you want to share about your love for Dolly? Uh, I'm honestly coming into this, like I always knew who she was, but like, um, I'm recently kind of tapping more into country. I'm a huge hip-hop dude, but, um, yeah, I didn't know a lot about her outside, you know, the boobs. Like, <laughs> no offense, babe. Like, no, I get it. But, like, like she's like the old lady there. with the big boobs. Yes. Like, I didn't know that that was y'all thing. Like, I thought she was a part of the generation that... <laughs> whatever, whatever. But I, from this documentary, I've gained a whole new respect for Dolly Parton. Um, obviously, I knew she was an icon, but I got to see... More about her journey, and uh, that's, yeah, that's dope. So we want to leave y'all with this question. Think about this as we're recapping the doc. We just want to ask, what do you best know Dolly Parton for? Is it the tits, as Josh said, <laughs> brother Ashley? Brother Ashley, the old lady tits. No, I would, no. <laughs> I'm not looking at her tits. And I understand Dolly Parton. You can't help but to see. Yeah, it's like so. the letter P walking around singing country music. Pete Parton, Pete Parton. <laughs> So, do you best know her for her music, her her boobs, I, her acting? I best know her for her music. I know that she is an icon in the country music field. Um, wasn't she like a judge or something on a, a, a show? Or I feel like, or she uh, she has some type of role or something. Or I, I don't know if it was America's Got Talent or The Voice or something. Probably she's probably made an appearance. I feel like I've just seen I've seen like people we grew up to like acknowledge her as their goat. So, yeah, like, I definitely. always knew. I, just, I never been a huge country guy. Because so. I didn't realize how old she was. I didn't yeah. realize she's, like, in her 70s. She's been yeah. doing this for decades. So. Decades, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, let's kick it off, Brother Ash. Kick it off for us. All right. So, this documentary starts with celebrating 50 years of Dolly Parton uh, performing at the Grand Old Opry. All right? Don't that sound like <laughs> Yeah, the Grand Old Opry. Grand Old Opry. Now, you niggas are going to sit up there... <laughs> We and definitely was and, not allowed and, and back you then. You better not drink at our fountain. <laughs> <laughs> but for real though, that's probably exactly what it was. She's from Tennessee, so you know it was some, you know, some. She probably seen a lot of, yeah. uh, you know, racism, um, which is basically, you know, this place, the Grand Ole Opry, is like the Broadway of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Dolly quoted saying, "I'm a songwriter first. It's my way of expressing myself. It's my therapy." There are pieces of me and everything I write. And that is something that I love. Yeah. As a creative, like, I truly love to um, tell my story because it's just like people are never going to forget this stage of my life as Brother Ash. Right. So when she said that, I immediately, like, kind of locked in and, like, kind of got interested in this documentary because that statement, that quote was something that I definitely resonate with. 
Um, that, that actually was a learning moment for me. I didn't know that Dolly Parton like was such a songwriter. Yeah. Um, so we'll learn, you know, later as we talk about she's written like thousands of songs. Yeah. So uh, and really important songs too that, yeah. that we'll touch on. Uh, so early life for Dolly. Um, Dolly Rebecca Parton was born on January 19th. I think that's like Aquarius season or something. Yeah. Aquarius maybe. I don't know. Uh, 1946 near the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. So she was right in the down yeah. in the mountain. Dolly a, seems not racist. Yeah, it's always hard to tell though. You know, what? You know it's hard to tell. You I, think Dolly's racist? Nah, nah, keep going. Keep I, I don't going, think she going. is. I'm just saying. You know, that's just a little background about where she's from. Oh you my mean? god. So she was the fourth in a family of twelve children and needed a lot of attention. So I grew up with like just two siblings. Listen, I cannot have twelve siblings. No. <laughs> and really, man. just like I grew up with one of my siblings, my other sibling, my brother um, that I just mentioned, he uh, was ten years older than us. So we, me and Kamel got plenty of attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he got plenty of attention because he was the only child for nine years. But so, she was fourth. They forgot about her ass. But that explains, <laughs> that explains her personality because one thing I did know about Dolly Parton, she, you never see her without makeup. She's not one of those celebrities you see, oh, Dolly Parton, gain weight. She's out by the uh, you know grocery store looking. <laughs> no, she's always beat. What do they call it? Be, yeah, her put face together. put together. Well, I guess that's kind of a red flag for me. You know, on this show, we're going to try to sprinkle in red flags throughout the documentary. And I feel like that kind of is a red flag. Somebody who always needs attention. But I guess that's how we get today's celebrities. They yeah. all needed attention at some point in their she, lives. In many ways, she was a blueprint. And yeah. it stemmed from having that big family. They were poor. Um, so, you know, she says she always wanted attention. Uh, growing up, she didn't have the movies or TV. It's so, the 50s. <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? They in, were poor. In Tennessee. You got to feed 12 kids. You yeah. give a damn about a color TV, bitch. <laughs> you go over there and write some fucking stories. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. She didn't have movies or TV. So, she said writing songs became like writing movies for her family, which is dope. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, that come, I think that's, you know, what stardom is all about. Somebody investing in you and saying, wow, this is dope. She was her family's entertainment. I thought that was dope. Yeah. Uh, her uncle played guitar very well and took her around to his gigs. I resonated with that. I feel like that might be a red flag, though. I don't know if a little kid should be around at these gigs. But yeah, hey, and times were different back the then. <laughs> and you just got to hope that, you know... You know how it was back then. We didn't have social media, um, and it just was very misogynistic. So she was a young girl traveling with her uncle. We know I hope she was okay. That could spell all types of disaster. But at the same time, times were different in the sense where there were still good people back then. Yeah. And I went to gigs with my dad, and I remember what that did for me as a musician, and eventually becoming a performer artist myself. Like that's dope. Man. Yeah, that's, that that's is cool. So I, I really felt that and I didn't really think I would find so many similarities in Dolly Parton yeah. to Brother Ash. But listening to her story, I was like, wow, this is dope, you know? Um so yeah, so her first time singing in front of a crowd was like age ten. That's really, really young. Mm, so the she, talent shows and everything. Yeah. She always kinda had that personality and, you know, I remember her saying when she did it, she was like, Oh, this is the attention that yeah. I always wanted. So she it's like that feeling. She got that little taste. Yeah, that feeling. You don't want to give it up. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I remember looking at my uncle. She said, I remember looking at my uncle saying, I'm going to be a star, ain't I? I'm going to be a star, ain't I? <laughs> ain't I, uncle? I, I, I can't believe like people who are celebrities now, they are always like, I always knew it. I always knew I was going to be a star. I said it when I was 10 years old. Like, how do you really know? But yeah. she said it. And that was when she knew she wanted to be a singer. So, yeah. you know, sometimes it's as simple as, 
your uncle taking you to his gigs, you getting to perform at a talent show, and boom. Those two uh, life-changing events were small for a lot of people, but life-changing for her. And we wouldn't yeah. have Dolly Parton without it. So so uh, Dolly moved to Nashville when she was 18 years old. You know how everybody's like, oh, I'm going to pack my bags, move to New York City. Well, her thing was Nashville since so she was in Tennessee. And she was rough around the edges, they said. She was from, she was from the backwoods, y'all, okay? Yeah. So she was kind of crude like a guy. She was a little, you know, rough around the edges. She would curse. Everybody was shocked that she was, like, so sweet and pretty on the outside. But she was kind of rugged on the inside. You got to be like that, though. Yeah. In the music industry, if you're a woman, you can't just be all frolicking through yeah, the meadows. You got to be you'll like, get taken advantage. Yeah, you got to yeah. hold your own. And that's exactly what she said. She said that she was hungry for the dream, but she would cry herself to sleep sometimes, y'all. She would cry herself to sleep at night. So she learned how to stand up for herself in this country music industry. And she said that she actually wasn't scared as a young woman. And I like that fact because, like you said, it's, it's easy to just be be small and be meek and be scared and be like, I'm going to let the men handle it. But she stood up for her own career in this male-dominated industry. And she basically said, look, I'll either succeed or I'll fail. And that's really what it seems like with Dolly. It kind of seems straightforward. Like, those are the only two options at this point. I love that. She definitely didn't want to go back home to her 12 siblings. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said that um, she really, at, at this time, you also have to think, like, Dolly is, is taken off, like we said, in the 50s, 60s. There's still not even women's rights at this time. Yeah, and yeah. so she really did kind of become a feminist icon because she was one of those first women to break into music. And so... She ended up getting signed to Capitol Records in 1964. They didn't really say. It all just seemed to happen so quickly, you know. Yeah. Back then, it kind of was. It was kind of just like, oh, so-and-so heard her on the street, and then they signed her. Yeah. And it was 1964, so that's I how it all got started. There was a lot less motivation to do something like this back in the day. You know, like, women in Dolly Parton's shoes during that time were just being encouraged to get married. Like, find a man to marry you yeah. and be a, a homekeeper, you know? Yeah. Or Watch be a secretary. Kids. Yeah. Those are her two options. So, I think, like... When you really make that decision in the fifties that you want to do it, it it definitely stood out. So yeah. yeah. So then in nineteen sixty six, her out her song "Dumb Blonde" is released, and that's her first song on the chart. So now we all know, like once you get that one hit, you just got to figure out what works for you. Got to figure out that formula, and you got to get on the charts and stay on the charts because you will become irrelevant. She was ahead of her time too. The name yeah. of that song sounds like something. That exactly, was, "Dumb Blonde." Like she <laughs> she kind of did like touch on feminism topics a little bit in her music, but she wasn't loud or proud with it like we are today. Because she couldn't be. She had to be subtle with it back then. Yeah. And so that same year, 1966, this is another red flag for me, y'all. This is when Dolly got married to Carl Dean, who <laughs> she said she met him at a laundromat. And I said it's a red flag because to this day, her producers, her friends, nobody's really seen Carl Dean. Only like a couple friends have actually seen him in person. So I know he's not fake, but it's given like fake husband. My boy did it right. <laughs> he pulled up on her at the laundromat and said, I'm going to ride these coattails. He's going to take that horse to the old town road. He's going to ride till he can't no more. That's well, <laughs> how would you feel if your wife was like the celebrity breadwinner and you just stayed home and that would your be... wife is Dolly Parton? Like everyone around the world knows Look, her. Especially in the 60s. Like it, that has to be, you know, rough because you're supposed to, you know, back then the man was supposed to True. provide. So like you got to be a special kind of guy to be able to be married to Dolly Parton. But, you know, I think that they really... Obviously, I hope that they had something special. So it reminds me of Oprah and Stedman. Like Oprah was the big household name, and 
people knew Stedman was around, but he was just like yeah. the showpiece. So <laughs> Carl Dean, apparently Dolly Parton is married to this day, but nobody's really seen him in person. So that was a red flag to me. That was kind of weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so even the first year of her marriage, she kept that a secret. And she emphasized in the documentary that she didn't come to Nashville for a man. She came for a career. And that's on period, sis. Like, she had to remind people, oh, I'm not just, you know, the cute little blonde getting married out here. Because even today, remember, like, when Cardi B got married, when Nicki Minaj got married, they settled down and had kids. People are like, oh, your career's over. Actually, I don't think she ever had kids. They didn't mention any kids in the documentary. But she did get married, and she still is to this day. So she said that she just tries to keep him out the public. And in 1967, Dolly touched on gender inequality again with her song, Just Because I'm a Woman. And it's exactly what it sounds like. You know, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I can't do X, Y, Z. And I I feel like, I would say this is a red flag for me, but it might not be for everybody. But it's like, you don't have a problem integrating it into your song. But then when people ask you in interviews, how do you feel about the civil rights movement? You don't say nothing. So I understand there's some celebrities who are like, oh, I don't talk about politics. But at this day and age, you can't, you have to say something the, in 2023. Yeah. In 2023, I feel like celebrities are much more uh, obliged to speak towards a cause. Like, back in the day, it was, if you're a singer, if you're an athlete, you do those things. Like, the Martin Luther Kings and the politicians and all of those guys, they're the people that are going to be speaking about issues. But now, in this age where everybody has a platform, like, you didn't really get to know what you know, Dolly Parton was thinking back in the day. Yeah. Unless somebody asked her specifically in an interview and you, you know, read or heard about what she yeah. said. Whereas now it's like, oh, why don't you speak on this? Because you're supposed to be in line with this community or that community. And it's like, yeah, so right. they had it rough. Right. And and so she tried to speak on it through her art form, through her, her writing the best way that she could. Um, But she was vocal about women not playing the victim. She didn't want them to, you know, take it sitting down. She really um, wanted women to be vocal and speak up. And so Dolly, people in the documentary said that she kind of mastered how to be a woman and succeed in this business without making a man feel bad. And honestly, that's kind of how it goes in the industry. It's like... You could you could be a female rapper, you could be a female artist, but don't don't step over the men. Yeah. This is a men's game. And so she was loved by everybody because she made everybody feel included. She made everybody feel welcome. She used to, you know, laugh laugh with folks on set or or you know, move the crowd. And so she always made everybody feel included. That way she wasn't like hurting anybody's feelings. And that was my red flag. Like Dolly literally everybody loved Dolly. And I How is that a red flag? And no, it's a red flag because I'm like, I can't imagine what she's actually going through. Yeah. It has to be hard to please the misogynistic uh, males that you may have to work with, but also represent um, and make women feel like, you know, you're speaking for them as well. Yeah. So, like, that was a red flag for me. Like, how was she able to do this for so long? Right. Like, and I just feel like it really just goes to show the kind of poise that she has. Like you said, that you're able to, like, juggle all this with so much grace. We yeah. never really had too many Dolly Parton scandals or anything throughout her career. Um, and so during this time, you know, it's the late 60s, she had a couple top songs, but it was really the Porter Wagner show that really boosted her career. And she learned a lot from just working with the professional musicians on that set. It was kind of like American Bandstand or like Soul Train. It was like the yeah. country version of that. Because like Josh said, it's still early days of TV. They don't have much to watch. So if you enjoy country music, you're going to put on this channel and it's going to be on for hours and you're going to see Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton singing because she just joined the show. Yeah. 
And so it was Dolly's song, The Bridge, from her 1968 album, Just Because I'm a Woman. This song was about a teenage girl committing suicide. And they talked about in this documentary how songs like this just go to show that most country songs are pretty dark. They can yeah. be pretty sad. They're pretty tragic. They're all, I'm sad and I miss my, I'm going back to my home and my truck where I yeah. want to. <laughs> like, so that's exactly what, this song really shocked everybody because it was about suicide in 1968. So it was a really big deal then. Yeah, back then in the, you know, in that part of the country, people Bible thumping. So that, that definitely probably ruffled some feathers. So. Yeah. Um, by 1974, um, this is still pretty early in Dolly's career, uh, and I didn't realize she was this, you know, no offense, but I didn't realize she was this old. She was <laughs> such, such a young, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, young soul. So uh, she's been on a Porter Wagner show at this point for seven years now, uh, so very experienced. At this point, this is, I guess, kind of kind of like a, um, what do you call it? Residency. A residency, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So she does this singing duo. Um, she was like a huge asset to his records. Like she was bringing in crowds. I was think that's a in, big deal. Like yeah. your show didn't pop before Dolly joined. And, and y'all know how dudes in the music industry can be. Like you know they might be cool with you selling out the concerts, but he low key wondering, well, are the people here for me or are they here mm-hmm. for Dolly? So uh, Dolly was getting more fan mail than Porter, mm. and didn't need his coaching anymore. So now this is where the fight is. Yeah. So like this is kind of where you see everything. Dolly's like, yeah, thank you so much for this cute little yeah. job at first. <laughs> <laughs> so get this. Dolly writes, I will always love you because she was trying to make a break from Porter in her own words. I appreciate you and I wish you well, but I got to go. <laughs> right. And then Whitney Houston will record the song 20 years later. And this is dope to me. Because looking at her on, on this guy's show, it's just like videos of her standing still, yeah. like beautiful voice, beautiful performance. But I had no idea she wrote this song first and then Whitney Houston later recorded it. And they actually said Elvis approached her or, oh, asked, yeah. or inquired about I the song, inquired about the song. But she didn't sell it to Elvis. Yeah. And this is back in the fucking, you yeah, know. Yeah, so that just goes to show people wanted her writing. People that's wanted like, her songwriting. That's like if Drake were to say, hey, I want this beat. And somebody says, no. Like, yeah. Elvis was that level of, to kind of make it real. But then she ended up giving it to Whitney Houston. And you know Elvis. That- Elvis couldn't have did what no, Whitney did. Baby. I'm sorry, but. That little fat, you <laughs> they, know what I'm saying? They showed Dolly singing it like, and I will all. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And it was country. But we know what Whitney did to that job. And I... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Woo. Lord have mercy. <sighs> so, <laughs> she quotes, I write because I want to. I write because I have to. I love to. That kind of reminds me of Snoop's thing. I don't do it because I want to. I do it because <laughs> I got to. So, like, this is what I was touching on earlier. Like, she's really passionate. Like, she feels like she has to do this. Yeah. And she's really called. And she's making business moves as a woman in this industry. Um, and, you know, ruffling the feathers of the men around her. But, like, she's unstoppable. She's and I'm a machine just thinking she point. probably still gets paid to this day when they play that. Absolutely. Song. Absolutely. And that was the business move. Because yeah. they even said that. You know, at the time, it didn't seem smart, but when she sold it to Whitney and it had the success that it did, Dolly owns it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, she's the writer, so she gets a cut of those royalties. Um, finally, she left the show and started her solo career with a band mostly made up of her family members. Now, this is what I love, because now she's like, you know what? I use this opportunity to get the, the uh, you know, the recognition mm-hmm. and the spotlight that I deserve 
Now let me go back and bring people that I know to do this thing with me so yeah. I can do it the way I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm where I need to be, let me start doing things my way. And I didn't know that she was that um, independent again. So. And I hope Porter wasn't salty about it. I, I think they said that he was like, kind of salty about it but yeah he was salty he was definitely salty like yeah. <laughs> i mean but at the end of the day she helped his career also yeah so. yeah so um crossing over to pop was the goal i think that's everybody's goal right <laughs> yeah i even told my boys earlier this week like don't don't y'all be mad at me when i get the opportunity to cross over to pop i'm crossing <laughs> do a little song with t swift <laughs> uh, i will t swift if you hear this email us I got work for you. <laughs> Crossing over to the pop, uh, to pop was a goal. Jolene was probably the first cover song of hers. Jolene, um, Jolene. I didn't even like. I heard that song before in the movie, but like that was like her hit. That was a good um, crossover, which was basically yeah. about you know her husband, uh, or not. I don't know if it was her husband specifically. She was talking to the woman who was cheating on her man with her man, and but more so attacking the woman, not attacking the yeah. man. You know, so. Um, that was interesting. So Jolene became her second second solo number one for the country charge, which mm-hmm. is major. Um, this is after she's doing the thing independently with her family. So she may have sounded hillbilly, but she was bright and beautiful. So like people, people wanted her. to know like worldwide who this entertainer was because like she's just so invigorating and she's kind of touching on things that other artists in her shoes aren't really touching on. Right. Um, so nobody was writing a song about suicide. <laughs> exactly. So as like her music career kind of like blew up, she you know, wanted to spread her wings. Like now nah, she's going to get into movies, acting, yeah, um, whatever she can get her hands on. Um, and she quoted, "I love expressing myself any way I feel like." That could be anything: art, movies, singing, I woke writing. Up today, I want to act. I'm, I'm going to act. Yeah. Like, who's going to stop me? You know what I mean? Like, I love. And I think this. that kind of goes back to the whole just wanting. She wanted to be a star. That's it. Yeah. She didn't care how. Yeah, I get that, and I respect it because if you're creative, you know, there's multiple ways you can show that. Um, and she caught that way before social media, and yeah. uh, you know, so she was really, really a, a trailblazer. Her first hit single was written by someone else, which goes to show she knows a good song when she hears it, even if she didn't write it. Yeah, that's what I, I meant. Like she didn't care how she got so, to it. Let's get to the money. If y'all wrote it, you wrote it. Who cares? But that's how you know when you're really gifted at something, because it's not just you know you got a good voice. You even know who to call on. Like, oh, you know what? I'll sing that song. Somebody wrote for me mm-hmm. because. I can put our two visions together, you know. Yeah. So it's just so much respect. I like have, you know. I just can't say enough. I'm sorry. If I was her, <laughs> I would have been salty for giving up. I will always love you, but I guess she's not because, like we said, her attitude was, "I don't care who sings it." But me, I would have been like, "No, nah, I'm keeping this for myself." And Whitney sung that. Like I'm she sorry. did. Like that. That song can make you cry. Like if I wrote that song and Whitney sung it, I would be like, "Wow!" Like. I wrote this beautiful song. The fact that she got, the <laughs> fact that Dolly got to outlive Whitney and got to witness that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, R.I.P. Whitney. That's actually crazy. Um, so she didn't want to be like everybody else, which means she wasn't fashionable to people. She wore wigs. Not all them bedazzled clothes. You know, very glammy. <laughs> um, she knew people made fun of her and was aware she could switch it up at any time, but, you know, she didn't. Like, she was very, That's you know, real. prideful and. You know, she loved who she was. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of crazy because things kind of caught up to her. Yeah. Now people people did like the big hair in the yeah. early 2000s. 
the boob jobs, of course. <laughs> Even like the eighties, which was after yeah. this is like we still in the seventies at this yeah, point. Yeah, maybe she was before her time with yeah, the bedazzle and the She was. The you know, the the fake boobs and all of that. Like. <laughs> we keep going back to the boobs because they even talked about it in the documentary, like it just looked like her boobs were always big from the beginning, but now she got some good boobs on. I don't know <laughs> I don't know when she like had the inserts or whatever, but like she wasn't even like there's interviews where you know, women are supposed to be reserved back then, very, um, you know, humble and, you know. Yeah. And she's like, I think she says something like, uh, they said the house, the house caught on fire because one of my bras. Oh, like, yeah. It would have took two days to put out my bra if it caught on fire. Uh, that's what I, that's exactly Like, the she perfect, was funny, you know That's what exactly I mean? like, the perfect quote I meant about not getting too political because I think they had asked her about, yeah. like, what do you think about the women's rights? She was like, well, I'm not going to go out there and burn my bra because it'll take the whole fire department to put it out. Ha-ha. Exactly, exactly. So it's like she's kind of touching <laughs> on it, but she's not. So, you know, her brand will basically always forever be the Backwoods Barbie. Yeah. So I love that. That's that's hilarious. Um, but, but like yeah. you said, how could she keep that up for decades? I want to know what her, her real hair better be taken care of on a lot of wigs. I just hope nothing crazy comes out about, like, Dolly, like, because... Um, it does seem like a lot, you know. Yeah. It does seem like a lot. Um. So later in her career, we're basically in like 1977 at this point. She has an album called "Here You Come Again," and the song "Me and Little Andy" is again a sad like song about she comes across a little girl and her puppy who have a drunk father, abandoned mother, and then they die in their sleep, but they get to meet again in heaven. Yeah. These are the songs that Dolly is writing. This is what's coming to her mind, and so um, this no actually people love her so much. Like... <laughs> Imagine if that actually happened to you and that shit comes on your radio player. Like. <laughs> or the fact, like, it's just a tearjerker. She said that songs like that, she wanted to make them laugh, make them cry. Yeah. And that's exactly what Josh said earlier. Like, she could have been a damn stand-up comedian because her bandmates said that she was really great at performing. She always could work a crowd. Like, she was so funny she could do stand-up. And by 1980, she did finally get her big break in a movie. Like Josh said, she wanted to do some movies. So, Jane Fonda was producing the movie 9 to 5, we know where this is going, Mm. about women in the workplace, and she wanted Dolly to play the secretary. And Dolly was like, you know what, I'm going to do the movie, again, business move. She was like, I'm going to do the movie, but only if I could do the theme song. And they're like, okay, sold, no problem. So, for the theme song, Dolly ends up using her goddamn nails, y'all, like this. She said she started using her acrylic nails. And she's like, oh, wow, that sounds like a typewriter. <laughs> so she started saying, nine, two, five. And I swear to God, that's how she came up with the song in like a matter of minutes. She said, I was just walking around the set playing my nails and then I came up with it. And I'm just like, "That's cold, I don't know bro. those people who could write a song in like five minutes, you know. And so she came up with a theme song. I know a guy. And they, brother Ash. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, hey, y'all, check this out. This is the theme song I wrote. And they knew it was going to be an anthem as soon as they heard it. Not just, you know, another movie song. And so she really gave country music a wider audience with that song. Because yeah. everybody knows if you're an artist, if you get a song in a movie, that just takes it further yeah. beyond your reach. Yeah. And so that's exactly what happened. That song blew up. You know, it's the 80s. So everybody's like, working women now. We got we got women in the workplace. We can do it. Yep. Um, the LGBTQ community was also growing, and they were big fans of Dolly. I don't know why, but they loved the glam, and, and yeah. the, I guess, too. Yeah. <laughs> and so she would even um, go to Studio 54. I think everybody was at Studio 54 getting lit in the 80s. Um, so Dolly, <laughs> Dolly was in attendance as well. 
And so Dolly would become good girlfriends with the women in the movie, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. But they were in the documentary and they said that Dolly still never confided in anybody. And that's hard. How can you consider yourself friends with somebody, but you don't know enough about them? That's that generation. Yeah. Like really just, and I don't know how the hell they do it. Because Dolly, you know, is, well, how old is she now? 70? She's 70 something. But how are you in the public eye and nobody still knows enough about your past? Yeah. To me, that's just, it's rough. Um, And I just wonder, like, how does she do it? How does she do yeah. it? Because I need to talk to my, my, my people sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let so, them know what's going on in your mental. Yeah. But she never really confided in anybody like that. And the saddest part was John Jane Fonda was like, we was at her house one time and, you know, we slept over. Dolly woke up at like 7 in the morning with hair and makeup. So they say even as her friends, they never saw her without hair wow. and makeup. My friends have seen me without hair and so makeup. So she either went to sleep with that shit on or, <laughs> or she, she woke, woke up, up earlier. <laughs> just so that when my friends see me, I'm going to look like what I look like on stage. Yeah, that's, that's sad. That's, that's really stressful. So that just goes to show, like, we talk about, oh, we love Dolly. She's she's never changed. Yeah, she's kept that same look for, like, 40 years. And it's it's probably weighing on her mental. Yeah. Um, but between 1981 and 1995, this was really Dolly's prime. She had, like, a dozen hit records. She opened her own damn theme park, Dollywood. Wow. Not a lot of... Only Michael Jackson and Dolly Parton can say they had their own ranch. Wait. And Elvis had his own ranch, didn't he? Did she have a theme park, like a public It was an actual theme park, yes. It wasn't Michael a Jackson's Neverland. theme park it, was private. It wasn't only, a Neverland. It was a real public theme park. You had to have a special invitation to beat him at oh Michael's Oh, my God. We're going to have to do that on another documentary episode. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dolly was not like that. Okay, she opened it up for the public. She she does love the kids because, in fact, she started a charity called Imagination Library. So we love it, she Dolly. um was giving books to kids. She's very much into philanthropy to this day. We know this. We always always see Dolly parting in the news about giving money to somebody. And so um at this time though, you know ninety five, you gotta think like Brother Ash said, hip hop coming up, R and B coming up. People aren't as interested in Dolly, so she's not selling as much in yeah. the '90s. So RCA dropped her, which is so sad. Could you imagine being like Dolly Parton? We have to drop you. Yeah, they don't care who you are. Them contracts, they the do fans not care. Are actually, listening to Wu Tang Clan now. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we don't know who these guys are. <laughs> <laughs> so RCA dropped Dolly, and she wasn't selling the same. But she didn't give up. She could have. She had a great career. She could have stopped right there. She could have yeah. just, you know, sang the oldies and and did fine. But she just did not stop. She kept going. She pivoted. And she actually went back to her roots. Those Smoky Mountain Country Tennessee roots. That's right. Between 1999 and 2002, she had three bluegrass records, which were kind of effortless for her. And that's yeah. the crazy part. Like, people always are trying to, like, I want to make it pop. I want to cross over. Just go back to what you know and see how see how people really take to that. Yeah. And they really did. And this documentary opened my eyes up to bluegrass because y'all know I ain't listening to that. I didn't <laughs> even know what bluegrass was. Like, I've heard the term, but I didn't know what it meant. I thought bluegrass was just like uh, homegrown type of like thing. Like acoustic. I didn't know if it was like directly... Oh, uh, now I know, but like I didn't know. If it was oh, like, oh, you mean that's grassroots, I think. Gra- okay. <laughs> I, yeah, okay. I got it. I had the two Bluegrass, grassroots. Yeah. Well, bluegrass music, they, they summarize it on the documentary, is basically the cousin of country. Gotcha. They both started with people playing banjos and fiddles on the back porch. 
And it's either about moonshining or you're feeling lonesome or you're missing home. Nice. And so bluegrass is just a little more rugged than country, I guess, because it's the old mountain music, the old world stories. Uh, Dolly even quoted saying, they brought over messages from our ancestors. I call it my Smoky Mountain DNA, which wow. might be a little of a red flag. Because if you think about those old world stories... That probably excluded a lot of people. Whenever I think of the old world, I start thinking about the Confederacy, Dixie culture, all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, so she was yeah. definitely growing up. We just that gonna time. hope that Dolly wasn't racist. Wasn't back racist. Then. Yeah. You might have had some cousins or uncles that was racist, or some ancestors that was racist, but we gonna hope that you rose to the top, <laughs> Dolly, because you wasn't, and that yes. was God showing favor in you for not being racist. Those so, old world stories, I don't want to hear what those were. But to move on, though, right? Sometimes when artists go back to their roots, that's when they really, like, really, really tap into their potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big song of hers, um, not that she wasn't already successful, but a big song from hers from the Bluegrass, ah, Bluegrass era was The Grass is Blue in 1999, uh, which Dolly says, I've never gone where people think I'll go with my songs. You think you know me, but I might surprise you. That's um, awesome. You got to keep it fresh. You got to, for four decades, yeah, you better yeah, so, keep people on their toes. And that reminds me of something 50 Cent said, like, just always having your finger on the post of the culture, you know, like, yeah. just knowing what people want. Um, and sometimes when you go back to those roots, you take other people back to their roots. And that, you know, that was great for her. So she started working with a new manager um, after that, a guy named Danny Nozzle in 2004. Um, she hadn't had a manager for 17 years before. That blew my mind. So she was managing herself. That's and, crazy. Yeah, that's rough. To be managing yourself and to be... That also means, like, if she's managing herself and she has a band, she probably is managing the band as well. Yeah. Making sure people are coming to rehearsal on time. Um, and I'm sure she had people to help her, but that just shows you how much she did where she went 17 years in her career successfully. Not 17 years Right. Of it wasn't like she was playing, you know, like yeah. old Seven, bars 17 years of making hits and becoming an icon. She managed herself. I had no idea. So this is the kind of, you know, second win of her career now. This is like around, uh, what is it? It's only the uh, 2000s. Yeah, she still 2000s. got more years to go. So uh, on June 29th in 2014, Dolly played one of the biggest audiences for her career at the Glastonbury Festival in UK. Yeah, that's a big deal. Doing I, Glastonbury. Don't know what the fuck that <laughs> is. But <laughs> it's like a big like UK Coachella. Like that's wow. it was a huge crowd for her. So like I think I think like we said earlier, she had stopped selling as much. She had yeah. a low period. So for her to get a big crowd like this, it was like wow, people. I had no me. idea what, and I'm just I'm I'm the type of musician. I don't know who's dropping. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I just like love making music. <laughs> and in the documentary, I'm seeing her, and it's like so many fucking people. At this festival, like, and she's just like glowing. And, and who doesn't? It's like even how do even you not people, love Dolly Parton? Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you not know Nine to Five? How do you not know Jolene? You know, you've heard it at the supermarket or something. Even if you don't it. know you've Dolly Parton, you know, because even me not saying I, I could, I probably couldn't write off to you five Dolly Parton songs. But when I hear them Jones, I heard them before. Yeah, you know what I mean. So. Um, yeah, so this is the kind of, uh, you know, thing that Dolly was just known for doing, just always moving crowds. Um, she says her favorite song of hers is Coat of Many Colors from 1971 because it's about my mother. Confidence, bullying, and acceptance. She said it's okay to be different and it's okay to not be like everybody else. Yeah, her songs Um, were so, her songs were like, 
ballads. Like, that song, Code of Many Colors, was about her mom putting together some tattered rags to make her a coat. And wow. everybody was making fun of her. You know they was poor. They was wow. poor as hell. Yeah. But that's special, though, because she said after all the success, the changes in management, the, you know, the festivals where there's hundreds of thousands of people out there, my favorite song is the song that, you know, Reminded right. me and my mother and about bullying and stuff like that. So I love, that. Um, I love how she never forgot where she came from and she always stayed true, you know, to her. Um, the things that made her who she was, her family, yeah. you know, what I mean, her family being loving enough to when she's writing these stories and songs, they're all I can just imagine how they were back then, you know. Uh, so I love that, that she was able to keep that with her the whole way. Um, Dolly truly knows what it's like to build a career from scratch um, and not having someone build it for her. Oop. I love that. Because we know people be having careers handed to them. The industry plants today. <laughs> look, the industry got more plants than the greenhouse right now. <laughs> it's like everywhere you look, it just seems like these artists are supposed to sing a certain way, look a certain way, and Dolly's like, nah, like I... I <laughs> I'm going to wear the most ridiculous yeah. giant blonde wig ever. <laughs> and it like, it kind of caught up to her. You know, the 80s were really, you know, flashy like that, and people are really flashy now. But right. She was the... Like, one of the first. Yeah. You know? Like, when I look at some of her old tapes, she's just sitting there, standing still. Like, that's how music was. I think, brother, I was asking, like, why would she feel the need to wear wigs in back in those days and stuff? But it probably was just to set herself apart. And, you know, it really just said, like, she, she kind of talked about how it makes her feel like a little girl inside. Yeah. You know, like, she could just be this princess, this glamorous queen that she always wanted to be. Growing up wearing your mother's rags, now you have this money and you yeah. have the success. Hell yeah, I'm gonna go out there with a big ass wig and <laughs> pearls and and get the biggest implants they hell have. Hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah! Like she she did it for herself and she really laid a blueprint for a lot of pop stars, country singers, and artists of all type of genres. I, I'm really assuming. Yeah. Um, like I said, growing up, I didn't listen to her a lot, but watching this documentary, I found a lot of things to motivate anybody. You know what I mean? Like mm. if you're somebody who it's passionate about what you do. Watch this documentary. It was really dope. Um, and lastly, I just want to add, like, her audiences range from, like, 3 to 70. Age 3 to like, 70. <laughs> everybody loves Dolly. <laughs> like, Dolly is, like, truly an icon. Um, they show footage of people at her concerts, like, kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're crying. Like, Gen Z, like, <laughs> crying in the audience. Um, and then you got grandmothers who probably grew up to it. Mm-hmm. And we're going through... Those times when women didn't have rights, but they, you know, they kind of got their rocks off listening to Dolly Parton. Right. So she stole the hearts of many people. So hats off to her for being so consistent for so long. Yes, man. I like you said. I honestly don't listen to country like that, but I just love Dolly every time I see her because she's just always so sweet and just talks like this, and yeah. she just is <laughs> just a pure heart, very talented. She changed the game lyrically, musically. She was, you know, doing different compositions that people weren't doing at that time. So she definitely influenced not only country, but other genres as well. And I think that, like I said, some of her songs are staples now. I I might not have... I've never even seen the movie 9 to 5. No shade. Sorry, I'm going to have to watch it. (laughs) But I know the song. Like, we all been working 9 to 5. So I just appreciate Dolly for everything that she has really contributed to the culture. So, want to get into some Watchy Awards? Watchy Awards, let's do it. Um, my Watchy okay. Award has to go to Dolly's acrylic nails. Because <laughs> she said that this, she actually did that on the record. And doing this got her a credit on the record. Her nails, are, it's like, 
featuring Dolly Parton's nails or something on the record if you look at the production credits. So she got paid, her nails got paid. I want to give a Watchy Award to her nails and just her overall appearance. Yeah. Like, I could barely put my makeup on for picture day. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't put makeup on for a sleepover with my friends. I can't do it. So I don't know how she kept up this image for so long, but I commend her for just leading into it because they said that it, it kind of, her image has pieces and elements of her own personality, but it's just mm-hmm. very enhanced. Yeah. So shout out to Dolly's Nails. That's my Watchy Award. <laughs> my Watchy Award goes to Dolly's husband. For, Carl, <laughs> Carl Dean. <laughs> if he exists. Remember that Drake bar? Shout out to all my boss bitches, wife and niggas. <laughs> Shout out. Make sure you hit him with the pre dub. You feel me? My Carl man, Dean, he gonna get paid. Bruh, my boy out here living large, bro. You shitting me? He like, baby, don't even don't even change your name to Dolly Dean. <laughs> right? She just kept Dolly Parton. Keep Dolly Parton. I don't give a fuck about none of that. I love you, girl. And this is the funny part. This is why I'm really giving him the <laughs> yeah. watching. Because one of, one of Dolly's friends, like, was talking... Because she's one of the only people that actually met this guy. Her band, like... Um, Nobody else really Managers, met him. anybody, like, producers. They're like, yeah, we never met him. We don't even know if he exists. So, like, one lady met him. I forgot her name, but she's actually really I think important. it was Jane Fonda. Yeah, yeah. from the movie. Yeah. Sure. James, whatever. It was her. <laughs> and she said she goes to the house... And he, she asked him, you know, about the first time or, or what made him fall in love with Dolly. And he basically just like, the titties. It was the titties. he just said, I just seen her and I just, you know, she was just so beautiful and she was so sweet. And she said, he started like, like falling what? back in his chair, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and he fell back in his chair. Like my man's had an episode for how beautiful oh my his woman was. And it just made me think about how I feel about you. Was it? Was it the, uh? I said, first time I seen Christina, I saw that button. I oh said, whoa, God. whoa, whoa. <laughs> I fell back in my chair. That's literally what she said, though. He fell out of his chair. <laughs> so My watch goes to you. Carl Dean, <laughs> shout out to you. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode. Remember to interact with our question, what do you best know Dolly for? Is it the tits? Is it the music? Is it the songwriting? I mean, some of us, I didn't even know about that whole I Will Always Love You thing So yeah. like, the Whitney documentary came out, so... Before the documentary, I would say her, just her presence, her overall, you know, presence, being so glamorous and yeah. all of that stuff. But now, I definitely know her for that. Like, yeah. I would tell my kids, like, whenever they hear Whitney Houston, oh, and Dolly Parton, really? It's really a shocking fact. It's a yeah. cool fact. That's what I'm hoping people get from this podcast. Like, I hope you learn something new that you can share at a party or something. So, anything else? Nah, that's just about it for me. That wraps it up. Subscribe, rate, review. And share. Share it with your mama. Share this podcast. Your pops, your cousins. Anybody who likes documentaries. Which is everybody. Everybody likes documentaries. <laughs> right? Who doesn't like documentaries? And we'll be back later with another episode. Peace. Bye.